0: You probably have things that you love in your life, right? You probably love a certain type of food or maybe a certain activity. Uh, And at the same time, you probably also have people that you love in your life. In today's message, uh, we're going to be teasing out the difference between love that's sort of just a love that we say we love something and a love that's shown through actions, typically the love that we give when we love someone right? When I love my spouse, when I say I love my spouse, I don't just mean through the words that I love my spouse. I have to show that through action, right? That's how love is made real in the context of a relationship. And in this message today, our, one of our pastors, Sally Campbell-Evans, is going to be talking about 1 John 3. And in 1 John, 1 John 3, there's a verse that says, uh, love is not just shown through our words, but we have to show it through our actions. So we're going to be unpacking that today, and I hope you can relate to it, and I hope you find something from this message that helps you think about how you can act out your love. Check it out.
1: Love. What a beautiful and crazy thing, right? I mean... We know what love is, we understand it, but it's also hard to capture in a definition, especially in English, because that same word, love, well, it has so many different meanings. For instance, it's not uncommon to hear someone say, I love my grandkids, and then a little later hear that same person say, i love a good grilled cheese sandwich really that same word comparing children and cheese (laughs) it's hard to capture the essence of love in a definition or even in a sentence because well words are one thing and how we act out our love with our actions is quite another And let's be honest, humans show love in so many different ways, right? I mean, sometimes we bring homemade soup to a sick friend or buy flowers for a sweetheart. That shows love. And parents, parents show love for their children by letting them cry on their shoulder or taking that half chewed little Ritz cracker offering from a toddler's hand and at least acting like they're gonna really enjoy eating it. Or maybe, maybe it's sitting through 15 different struggling piano students playing the same song at a concert just so they can cheer on their little angel. Now that is love. All of these are examples of love, that's true. But love, love like we're talking about in this passage, love like Jesus calls us to, it's enormous, it's substantial, it's hefty, it's meaningful. And love, well, love is at the heart of the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ. Love is mentioned a bunch of times in the New Testament. God is love. Jesus is love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is my commandment that you love one another. If I speak with tongues of humans and angels, but have not love, I am nothing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Peter, do you love me? Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Yes, love is huge. Love's scope and influence play a role in the entire sweep of the Christian life. And here at Hyde Park, we speak of love every week when we reaffirm our mission statement to make what? (laughs) To make God's love real, teaching people to follow Jesus by loving God and loving all. Yes, love is something that the Apostle John seemed to sense better than any of the other New Testament writers. The text that we read today from 1 John contains more references to love than any other New Testament book. I mean, love shows up some 35 times in this brief letter, and it seems quite clear that John saw love as the number one defining trait of God and of those who are the children of God. They will know we are Christians, how? By our love. This letter, 1 John, has been yoked together with the Gospel of John from the beginning because there are so many similarities in vocabulary and in its theological themes, even though this letter was probably written 15 or 20 years later. It's like the writer was trying to interpret John's gospel for a new generation and trying to clearly identify who and what Christ followers do and believe. One commentary said that the writer fleshes out more of what Jesus meant by that comment to love one another and serve each other as he did it in ways—and he did it in ways that were directly relatable to those who were reading its words. Yes, he was a wise veteran Christian leader who continues to help the young believers and their struggling churches to deal with the challenges of their new faith, helping to define who they are, their identity, and what it is that they believe—their orthodoxy—as Christ followers. And all of this was in the midst of the height of the Roman empire, scary times. And what was it that they did declare? They declared God is love and God loves us. And we, we are called to love one another. Or to put it another way, to know Jesus is to know God because he came in the flesh. And if God is love, then God's children must love others and each other, as Jesus did, self-sacrificially. Yes, we must love in action and in truth. Well, friends, that can be dang hard sometimes, can't it? I can only imagine how difficult it was then to stand up to empire. I mean, it's hard for us sometimes to love in our very small circles on a daily basis, in our own families and community, right? I mean, think of that one cousin or maybe it's a sibling who knows just how to push all your buttons. Or maybe for you, it's something completely different Maybe it really bothers you when you see a drug-addicted pregnant woman or a known criminal or a refugee trying to cross the border. And in those moments, I wonder, how often do we allow ourselves to pause and try to really love them, to be generous enough even to open our hearts just a bit to listen to them and consider their story It's so much easier to stick to the narrative that we've already told ourselves about them. You know, saying things like, well, it's surely their fault. I mean, they must have messed up somewhere along the line. They brought it on themselves or they're just not worthy or worth it. Gosh, when I do this or when we do that, I think I am or I think we are forgetting who we are. We are God's children, God's children. And instead of expanding our love to include everyone, we are retracting and becoming selective and exclusive and frankly, even a bit judgmental. But according to our text, God asks something else of us. God asks us to allow our hearts to be moved with compassion and tenderness by those complicated, flawed people who are our neighbors, those folks around us, right around us, and just outside our doors and out in the world. I love how it is that Father Greg Boyle, a Jesuit priest who works with gang members out in LA puts it. He simply says, here is what we seek a compassion that can stand in awe at what the poor have to carry, rather than stand in judgment at how they carry it. He's speaking of the poor, but God asks this compassion of us with everyone we meet, no matter how messy their life is or how difficult our relationship with them might be. When we encounter those who are difficult to love, whether because of their personality, their circumstance, their crime, or our own opinions, well, I'm convicted and I want to pause and ask, what is the most generous interpretation of this person's story? Perhaps in this way, we can get a taste of how much it is that God loves us and is merciful toward us. And we can then recognize the face of God in our brothers and sisters maybe just a little bit more easily. So especially this week, pondering this passage, I've been thinking a lot about how it is that we love one another. How well do we stand up for others, include others, especially those who are not like us? who may not have had as many advantages as we have had, who may see the world through a very different set of lenses, and frankly, who are affected by decisions that are made that are way out of their control. As I started thinking about this last Sunday in the midst of the hottest month ever recorded, when the headlines of our Tampa newspaper was about the Supreme Court's decision to roll back some of the protections for our wetlands. Hmm. I thought about it during the week as well when the creation care team of the Florida Annual Conference asked us to consider signing a petition to get the right to clean water, the right to clean and healthy water amendment on our state ballot. Now that may sound political to some of us, but I think it's a loving thing to do for one another and for future generations. And I thought about it a lot, thought about love and how it is that we love one another, love our neighbor, as I received an urgent plea on Tuesday evening for furniture to help resettle some new arrivals, refugees from the Ukraine, Afghanistan, Sudan and Cuba. Refugees getting settled right here in our city. All of these actions made me ask, how does God's love abide in anyone who sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? All of these actions, speaking out about the need for strong environmental safeguards, the need for all of us to have clean water, and helping to welcome some new neighbors who have fled from their own personal hells that we can barely imagine. In all of these things, I realized that, gosh, there are so many ways to love as Jesus loved right in front of our eyes when we take the time to open them and see Jesus standing there. And then I remembered a love story or maybe I should say, it's a story of love, where Jesus's spirit flowed through a community and far beyond. It was late one afternoon in 2006 when the phone rang in our last church's office. It was a call from the Ronald McDonald House. The woman on the other end of the line explained that a man and his two young nieces had been traveling from Jacksonville to Atlanta along I-10 but missed the exit for I-75 north, and they continued west towards Tallahassee. About the time the driver, whose name was John, realized his error, his tire blew out, and his car flipped and crashed. John and his nieces were taken by ambulance to the hospital in Tallahassee. And the nieces suffered some broken bones, but they soon got better and were flown back to their home in England but John remained in a coma in the hospital, and his young spouse, Regina, was alone in a strange city. She was overwhelmed and depressed, and that's why the Ronald McDonald volunteer called our church's office. So the next day, I met Regina in the waiting room of the hospital, and that was the beginning of our bond, a friendship. Now, what I haven't told you is that John and Regina were very different from most members of our church. They themselves were refugees who had escaped the ongoing civil war in Sierra Leone. Think of the movie Blood Diamond and you will have an idea of what misery they had left. In Jacksonville, before the accident, John was a youth counselor with the Youth Crisis Center and Regina was working as a nurse's assistant. Together, they had a seven-year-old daughter who mostly stayed in Jacksonville with family, friends, but visited her father regularly. But on the day we met, when we realized this grieving woman had not changed her clothes since she arrived in in Tallahassee from Jacksonville, someone from the church brought her some clothes. And soon afterwards, a team of women started taking turns sitting with Regina whenever John had a consultation with the doctor or a procedure, or they just took her to lunch. And because the nieces improved so much and went home, Regina had to move out of the Ronald McDonald house, but a church family opened up their home to her. As you can imagine, we had to have a no-nonsense social worker on our team, too. So one woman from the church stepped up. Now, she knew who to ask for what it was that we needed to know. We called her our bulldog angel and that became our made up term for gift of God. Oh my, there were so many tangible ways that love was acted out in those days that turned to weeks. Weeks turned to months and months turned to years. I remember after several months of being in the coma, we celebrated when that first day when John was able to wiggle his toes and he pointed to his nose. I remember the first time that I realized he could read with understanding. Now, this was over six months after the accident when he'd been moved to rehab. And on that visit, I figured out that he could do some simple math in his head, four plus five, and he would say nine. Two plus eight, he would say 10. So later, I wondered if he could read, and I wrote on my notepad the simple word, stop. And I showed it to him and he said, stop. So then I wrote, John, God loves you very much. He looked up from the paper and into my eyes and he said, God loves you very much. John got some better, but he never fully recovered. So knowing that Regina would always have to support the family, more church members stepped up and paid for her to finish college, and she's now a registered nurse. Their daughter grew up too, and she has now graduated from Florida State University. Sadly, John died in 2011. But his funeral was a witness to the power of love at work across all kinds of cultural barriers and irrational fears. And I have to admit, I still stand in awe at the way that church community responded to those strangers in our midst. In so many ways, they acted like Jesus and laid down their lives to love another. In the fourth century, there was a Christian scholar and historian named Jerome. And he wrote that when the venerable John could no longer walk to the meetings at the church, but was born there by his disciples, he always uttered the same address to the church. He reminded them of that one commandment, which he had received from Christ himself, a commandment comprising all the rest and forming the distinction of the new covenant. He would say, my little children, love one another. When the brethren present wearied of hearing the very same thing so often, they asked why it was that he always repeated the same thing. And he replied, because it is the commandment of the Lord. And if this one thing be obtained, it is enough. Friends, let us love one another in deed and truth so they will know that we are Christians by our love. Will you pray with me? Oh, Open our eyes, Jesus, to see you standing right in front of us. Help us to be bold in our witness and in our welcome of others. Remind us that others will know we are your children by the ways we love one another. So help us to be better at loving. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.
0: I hope you found this message helpful, maybe a little bit convicting. Maybe it gives you something that you're going to do this week to not just say you love someone, but to show that you love someone. If you want to take some next steps or explore these concepts further, down in the notes section below, we've got some reflection questions, uh, and we've got a a link to our Next Steps page where you can maybe join a small group or just get more connected to our church community. I'm so glad you joined us. Subscribe to our YouTube page if you want to see more content like this in the future, and we'll see you next time.